Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, hey, it's, it's an honor to be here with you, and uh, I'm going to take about 20 minutes and teach and talk to you, and, and part of it will be uh, an update, too, on our trip. Like, like I said, Jesse and I, and we took Briley with us. It was her first missions trip. She had an awesome time. She got to hold babies and sing and minister to kids that just went through terrible abuse. Also, she got to swim in a river in Thailand in some real funky water with some other kids, and we prayed over her in Jesus' name when she came out of that dirty water, but uh, God, God used her big time, and, and, and we're thankful that he's been using us, and like I said, the trip that, that I was on this time, really, it was a fundraising trip, and a group of business people came to us, and it's a realty group that has a national presence. It's an online uh, real estate brokerage, and one of the guys that is a high up in this group, he's got 1,500 real, realtors directly under us. He found out about this problem and the issue, and he said, I want to do something to get my 1,500 people that work with me to rally and to do something significantly in the financial realm for kids and to fight against sex trafficking. And so they're going to launch a program on Derby Day. They have a big derby party. It's a secular organization up in Louisville coming up in a month on Derby. And so we took them there, shot video of them, showed the problem, and they're trying to get uh, uh, at least 1,000 of the people that are there to give 30 to 50 bucks a month against child trafficking. That could be 30 to 50,000 a month to help feed, clothe, and take care of kids. Come on. How many of y'all pray with me that that comes to pass and that gets some traction with it? Amen. So uh, when I travel over there, typically I'm not traveling to paint or do something like that. I'm trying to take leaders that can pour resources into the third world and into missions and to give them exposure. That's what I do. And so to show people the answer, first you have to show them the problem. So you show them the problem, then you show them the answer. That's the way the gospel works. Today in America, we don't like the term sin. So we say things like, I made a mistake or I messed up. But Jesus can't save you from making a mistake or messing up. Jesus saves you from your sin. It's not, I messed up, it's I've sinned. Can I get an amen out there? And once you realize that you're a sinner, you begin to realize that you need a savior. So it goes from problem to answer. Sin being the problem, Jesus being the answer, the savior. If you're grateful that he saved you from your sins, let's give him one more hand clap this morning. Just set the tone in here, right? We're grateful that he saved us from our sins. So we, we, we take people and we show them the problem. And so you'll start off with the red light district and show them the prostitution and, and young kids and showing them this problem. And then you take them to the answer, which is Lana and Life Impact and the orphanage. They're raising kids in a family where they're not orphans any longer. They're children of the Most High God. You show them the answer. And uh, a lady took us to the red light district this time. I've been there several times, but you have an escort with you to take you and make sure you don't get in trouble there so who has friends and, and are with your people. And there was a lady by the name of Sophia that took us down there, and it was the first time I'd met Sophia. 
And Sophia's story was an amazing story. As we got down there, I asked her, I said, tell me how you got born again. And I didn't know it that she's kind of famous in Spain and kind of as a Christian personality that people are starting to become familiar with around the world because of her ministry. And she told me that for 22 years, she was about my, my age, 21, 22 years, she was held captive as a sex slave in a Muslim community. And they used her for sex and then they forced her to have children because they have an idea where they want to outpopulate the rest of the world. She was forced to have two children, so for 20 some odd years she was held as a captive and abused horrifically. But she said on the inside, somehow I knew that I needed to stay alive, that there was something bigger for my life. There was a bigger plan. There was a bigger purpose. Said he, she didn't know Jesus. She didn't know what it was, but she knew that she needed to live. And so after 20 some odd years, she found a way to escape. And she escaped that community. She had to leave her two children behind in that community. And she left just herself, a broken and a battered person. And a lot of times broken people, even though they'll get free from one problem, they'll walk into another problem because if you're broken on the inside, your outside doesn't get fixed, right? Have you ever seen women go from one abuse of God to the next abuse of God to the next abuse of God? And it's like, man, her picker is broken. No, she's, she's broken on the inside and makes broken decisions. And she picked a guy that was the wrong guy, and that guy infected her with HIV, and so she had HIV, and she's looking at, at potentially dying, and she goes to a Christian church when she gets rock bottom. The pastor finds out about her condition, prays for her, and then the church receives money, and, and they start to pay for her medicine to fight against HIV. And now today, that virus has, has shrank where it's hardly detectable in her blood, and she's believing God, keep taking the medicine, but praying for a complete healing to be free of HIV. Come on, somebody. Jesus is bigger than HIV. He's bigger than AIDS. He's bigger than cancer. Come on. We got a healing Jesus. Can I get an amen? She then married a Spanish man, and a dear man, a Christian man, and they decided that they would go back to the community that enslaved her and minister to those who had been her captors. And now once she has a man to protect her in the more radical Muslim world, a man is your covering. Without a man, a woman has no protection in a community. So she could go back protected, and they ministered, and they loved that community, and they made such an impression on that community. Her two sons, who were then grown, got to come back and live around her, and she sees them on a weekly basis. And now her and her husband, what they do, their ministry, is they, they go and they minister to the, the sex workers' children from the red light district. They teach them, they give food and clothes to them, they help provide for them. And then at night she goes into that community and she loves and prays for and hugs and just helps the prostitutes that are down there. She took us through that area and she said, watch this. She said, I never judge these people. I'm not here to judge them, I'm here to love them. Just come with me and let your light shine in darkness. And we walked through there, and I watched as the prostitutes came out and hugged her, and, and even the mama sons, some of the, some of the women running the operation come out and hug her, and I looked at her, and I thought, man, what a light in a dark, dark, dark world. My heart was just, man, it was just rent for somebody who was so special. I'm telling you, the gospel will connect you 
to special people. How many are thankful for our brothers and sisters who have such a, a grace and a, and a love and a mercy on their life? Now, I love and I saw what she did. Because, see, she was rescued, but she didn't just stop after she was rescued from her problem and sit and enjoy her freedom, her emancipation. After she was rescued, she realized that she wasn't just rescued to sit around. Sophia realized, if y'all put her picture up right now, I want them to see her picture. Uh, if you got it in the back, the picture of Sophia. So Sophia realized she wasn't just rescued to sit around, but that Sophia was rescued to rescue. I want you to say this out loud today. Everybody say this. Say, we have been rescued to rescue. Come on, let's say it again. We have been rescued to rescue. Just like Sophia, you might not have been rescued from being a literal slave, but all of us have been rescued from sin and sickness and depression and addiction and self-loathing and all of those problems. And we haven't just been rescued to set and to take care of ourselves or to enjoy our freedom. We have now been rescued to take the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and to go out and to rescue somebody else who needs his touch, his presence, his love, and his healing. You have been rescued to rescue somebody else. That's the gospel. That's what Christianity is. Man, if you'll get a hold of that, it'll change who you are. Would you say it one more time? I've been rescued to rescue. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them you've been rescued to rescue this morning. Come on. You know, you, you look at Christianity and it always looks the most attractive whenever people get this revelation. The church looks the best whenever it realizes that it's been rescued to rescue. Because those who have a mission, those who have a purpose, they live on point. They're not tore up about things that don't matter. Come on. They're not fighting about stuff that, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. When you've been rescued to rescue, your eye is on the lost. Your eye is on those who've not yet heard the message. Your eye is on those who need Jesus. Being rescued to rescue is powerful. But whenever the church forgets that it's been rescued to rescue, it's really when we are at our worst as a people. Think about some times throughout history that the church forgot that it was rescued to rescue. I'm reminded of World War II and Nazi Germany. And I don't know if you've thought about it before, but I've often thought about being a Christian in Nazi Germany. How could you reconcile what the government was doing to the Jewish people and call Jesus your Savior and sit idly beside now, there were some great men who fought against the Nazis and fought against that type of thing that were Christian leaders. You could read about them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of famous men that represents a whole camp of Christian Germans that even gave their life to fight against the Jews and what they were, uh, the, the Germans and what they were doing to the Jews. But a whole big segment of the church sat idly by. And there was one group of people that the story's been told about for many years. There was a church that was built right beside the train tracks. And the train tracks were used by the Nazis at this time to transport Jews to the concentration camp and on to the gas chambers where they would be executed. And so the Jews would come by the church and the Jews knew that the Christians had been taught to love your, 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 your neighbors and to take care of people and that they had an ethics and a morality and that they were a people of the book. And so as the Jews would go by the church, they would cry out to the Christians, help us, save us, do something about this, partner with us. 
And they would yell to the church people. And the people in this one particular church, they, they, they were so scared of the Nazis, they wouldn't act. And the leader of the church decided that as the trains came by, they would do something to stop it from distracting the worship service. And he instructed his music leader, as the train approached and you could hear the train coming, to run and to get on the organ and to begin to play the organ very loud. And they would have everybody in the congregation stand up and begin to sing at the top of their lungs a hymn as the Jews went by crying out for help and salvation. This church in Germany stayed inside the four walls and lifted up their voices and pretended to praise God when they were hiding behind their praise, allowing the Jews to go on to their slaughter. Now, this is a group of people that did not recognize that they were rescued. Come on, somebody. To rescue. See, I want us to be the kind of church that doesn't play the organ louder as the world goes by us to hell. I want us to be the kind of church that rises up and runs outside and does something to help those who have nobody else to help them. Somebody that can't do anything back for us. Somebody that can't give back to us. We ought to be those that help those who can't help themselves. Come on, somebody give God one more big hand clap. We have been rescued to rescue. We've been saved to serve. Can I get an amen? Man, I'm telling you, if you want real Christian fulfillment, get focused on somebody other than yourself. Amen. Let me say it again. If you want real Christian fulfillment, get focused on somebody other than yourself. Let me say it again. If you want real Christian fulfillment, get focused on somebody other than yourself than yourself. Can I say it again? If you want real Christian fulfillment, get focused on somebody other. Can I say it again? If you want real Christian fulfillment, get focused on somebody other. Come on, look at your neighbor and just tell them if you want to get fulfilled, serve somebody. Tell them that, tell them that, tell them that. Tell your other neighbor you're saved to serve. Tell them that today. Man, I watch people, and they're looking for something. They get, they get saved. They get baptized. They get filled with the Spirit. They come to church. They sit on Sunday. They show back up on Wednesday, but they never really get plugged in serving someone else. And as they don't serve, something on the inside of them begins to die. And they say, Pastor, something's missing. I don't have a joy. I, I don't have a fulfillment. Listen, even when you serve, life won't be perfect. But I'm telling you, there's a fulfillment that comes even in an imperfect life when Jesus is flowing through you to rescue somebody else. And there's something that comes on the inside. Whenever you're a part of somebody else getting born again, it's like getting born again, again. Can I get an amen out there? How many of y'all have ever helped lead somebody to Jesus? You invite somebody to church and they got born again? Wasn't it one of the greatest things you were ever a part of? Tony, God wants to use us all just like that. Let's give God a hand clap if we believe that today. You've been rescued to rescue. You've been saved to serve. I want you to look. I'll show you a perfect picture of this in the Bible. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. This is somebody that was down and dying. Jesus rescues them, and they realize why they're rescued. It reads like this, Mark 1, 29. It says, now, as soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. 
And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. And she, what's it say, church? She served them. So Simon Peter brings them all to the house. Jesus comes to the house. His mother-in-law is there sick. She's got a fever. Could be dying. It was very uh, a tough situation because the first thing they did is they told Jesus about her. Now I'll tell you, the first miracle that happens is recorded here. And it's amazing that, that Simon Peter got over it because Jesus healed his mother-in-law and he went on and ministered with him anyway and loved him anyway. You're going to catch that in a minute. Some of you are. Simon Peter was believing God to get his man cave back, but then Jesus healed his mother-in-law, and he said, oh, well, she's going to stay here with me a while. I'm just kidding. Not really. You'll never know, will you? That's what I got to say today. So, so she's down with a fever. And now having a fever back then was different than having a fever today. Like most of us have had a high fever. How many of you have ever had a, a fever of 103 or something like that? Let me say, I preached with 103 uh, to 104 degree temperature before, uh, right up here. And you know, we got the meds to fight against that. And it's high and it's a little scary, but most of the time we know you're going to be okay. We live in a time and a land where we've got antibiotics, we've got antivirals, we have medicines. You go back 2,000 years ago, if you got a fever or you got an infection, you got a real problem. You have a wound that gets rough looking around it. You're wondering if your body's going to overcome it or not. This woman gets down. She's down and potentially out. And they bring Jesus and they tell Jesus about it. I want you to know that whatever you're telling Jesus about, he's listening to your cry and to your prayer. We have a Jesus that is concerned about what you're concerned about. Whenever you come to him with prayer, he listens, he hears, he cares. Jesus cares about your everyday issues. He's a loving, caring Jesus. And so Jesus goes into the room where the woman's laying down, and he reaches out his hand to her. I love this. She's got an infection. She's, she's got some kind of uh, fever. A lot of people probably wouldn't have went close to her for fear of contagion. But Jesus isn't afraid of her sickness. Now, I want you to know that Jesus isn't afraid of our sickness. Jesus isn't afraid of our sin. Come on, somebody. Jesus is not scared of your addiction. He's not scared of your pornography problem. He's not scared of your anger. He'll still come right into your situation, put out his hand, and he'll touch you right where you are. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap that he didn't, he didn't leave us right where we are. He comes to us. I remember early on, I was trying to train some ministers how to pray for the sick. And I had some young guys that wouldn't hardly even go to the hospital. They had young children, and they, they were afraid that they'd carry something back for their kids to get. And I'm like, come on, why don't you walk by faith and not by sight? If the healers are scared of the sickness, how in the world is the healer going to flow through us? Come on, we're the people that walk in and lay hands on them anyway. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll start praying for people, laying hands on them like the Bible says and pray in the name of Jesus, you'll start to see some miracles. Some people say, I've never seen God work a miracle. Well, have you put yourself in a position where God needed to work a miracle through you? Go pray for them in the name of Jesus. Well, what if they don't get healed, Pastor? Well, they were dying anyway, right? It's no big loss. It's like they were dying anyway. I gave it a try, right? Whenever I first started praying for people, I thought I was killing them. I'd pray for them in the name of Jesus. They'd die before I'd get home. But I decided I was just going to keep doing it because the Bible says do it. And you know what happened? I prayed for enough of them. Finally, people started getting healed because Jesus is a healer. Come on, let's give the healer one more hand clap this morning. Just go pray for them in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus walks in, touches this lady. The fever leaves her. The Bible says immediately she gets up. And it says she gets up and she runs a victory lap. No. It says she gets up and she goes tell the whole, tells the whole town about what happened. No, she probably does later. The Bible says she gets up and immediately the first thing she does is she served them. I'm telling you, you've been rescued to rescue and you've been saved to serve. Come on, somebody say, I've been saved to serve. Let's say it again, I've been saved to serve. Tony, you've been called by God for such a time as this to serve in some capacity in the local church. The world is waiting on you and your gift. And until you engage that gift, there will always be a hole in your soul because you've been saved to serve somebody other than yourself. This woman gets up, Peter's mother-in-law gets up and she serves them. I'm so thankful that people in the church pointed me towards Christian service. They showed me where to serve somebody else. Now I learned where my gifts were and, and what needed to be done. Whatever needed to be done, I said, well, if it needs to be done, I'll do it. And as I gave my life to the church and gave my life to Christ and started serving, I started finding what God had really created me to do. See, service gets the car in gear. You start somewhere wherever you are today. And you start serving and God will start using you. A lot of people, you ask them to do something in the church and it's like, well, I'll pray about that. And I'll pray about that is the Christian way of saying no. It's what it is. It's a Christian no. Sometimes you ask people to do something and they're like, well, I'm not led. I had a buddy that used to uh, recruit for churches. And when people said, I'm not led, he carried a bunch of, he, they'd say, I don't feel led. Uh, he carried a bunch of bullets around in his pocket. He'd put them in your hand and say, well, you feel led now. Can you, come, can you come help us out, right? If you need to feel led, hold this bullet for a second. Listen, we're, we're rescued to rescue and we're saved to serve. And a lot of these spiritual answers on why we can't do things is really indifference in our lives. I could come do that, but I'm busy watching This Is Us on Netflix. I could help you on the church, but come on, the real housewives of Timbuktu. 42nd season is on. And I can't miss it. I could help you that men's breakfast on Saturday, but there's lethal weapon reruns on TBS all day long. And I gotta watch Mel Gibson kill people again for the thousandth time, right? Most of the time, it's not the real issue. The real issue is we don't realize that we have something to bring to the table. Now I'm telling you, whenever God saved you, he deposited something in your spirit. Something that's beautiful and something that's wonderful and something that's a blessing to the body of Christ and a blessing to the rest of the world. The body of Christ needs you. We need you. The world needs you. Your family needs you. Come on. Jesus needs you. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you to serve. Come on, give God a hand clap. Do you believe it? I'm telling you, God's got something in you that's next level. You need to believe it and walk in it. Had the opportunity just a few weeks ago to eat with a man by the name of Stanley Black. And Mr. Stanley Black has been the gospel voice to Latin America as an interpreter through all of the greatest preachers that have lived for the last 50 years. So really they're preaching uh, Stanley Black's interpreting, but the voice they've heard 
It's been his voice. And I was talking to him, and I ate breakfast with him. And I asked him, I said, tell me how you got started as an interpreter. And he said, well, Brian, years ago I went to a convention. And it was an international convention. I'd never interpreted before. And he said it was a massive convention. We had delegates from 50 different countries that were there, which was very large back in that day. And, man, we had a lineup of the best speakers in the world. He said we had, we had food. We had the best music. Man, we had people from everywhere. We had parties lined up. But the one thing we forgot to line up, so we had 50 different countries present, and we had no interpreters. They forgot to get the interpreters. And so the head of my denomination knew I spoke both English and Spanish. And they came to him and said, we have no interpreters. And he said, well, I have a friend here with me that speaks both English and Spanish. Now, he's never interpreted before, but I think maybe he would do it if you asked. And they came and they asked Mr. Black, Mr. Black, do you mind to interpret at this convention? And he said, well, I've never done it before, but if you need me to do it, I'll give it a whirl. He said this, he said, whatever my Savior needs, I'll do it. Whatever my Savior needs, I'll do it. Whatever my Savior needs, come on somebody, I'll do it. Whenever he said that, something blew up in my spirit. Mr. Black got up that day and he interpreted for some of the greatest preachers that week that lived on the planet. God anointed him and used him because of his humble spirit. And after that, whenever they wanted an interpreter, interpreter to go to, Span, to anywhere in a Spanish-speaking country, they called Mr. Black, and it took him and made him an international name overnight simply because he had the attitude, whatever my Savior needs, come on, somebody, I'll do it. Listen, Black realized that he was saved to serve. He realized that he was rescued to rescue. And he realized whatever his Savior needed, he would do it. I'm telling you, we got some great opportunities coming up right now. This next week, this next Sunday night, we're going to have a volunteer rally from 5 to 7. There'll be games. There'll be fun. There'll be all kinds of things next Sunday night. Turn to your neighbor and tell them next Sunday night. Just tell them that. And we're having this volunteer rally right then because it's right before Easter. We know that on Easter, we have a home court advantage as a church. Most of America, they want to go to church on Easter or on Christmas. Even if they're not Christians, they're not believers, they know culturally that's a time that they can go. It's one of the only times nationally that Americans hear the gospel. And so what we can do as a church is we can be prepared for them. How many of y'all think we ought to be prepared for our guests, people that need to hear the gospel on Easter Sunday. Let me see your hands out there if you think we ought to be we ought to be prepared for that. Amen. So I want you to come and I want you to find somewhere to serve. I also want you to think about inviting somebody for Easter. What does Jesus need you to do? He needs you to be his voice, his hands, his feet. I want you to take some of the invitations right around you. Now I want you to pick them up in your hand right now. Get some on your way out of the door if there's not some around you right now. Now I want you to think about who you're going to invite to come on Easter Sunday. Who am I going to invite to come to church with me? Now, I'm telling you, if you'll begin to pray, you'll begin to invest, you'll begin to invite, God will anoint you and use you. Now, I'll tell you, He saved you to serve somebody other than yourself. And as you serve them, as you bring them, I'll tell you, they're going to come and people are going to get born again. God's going to do a miracle. And as we bless somebody else, God's going to bless us in the process. Would you stand up on your feet? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray
that God had put that spirit, that heart to serve. That understanding that we've been rescued to rescue. Come on, if you're comfortable with it, just lift a hand to heaven this morning. Now I want to pray. Father, I pray for the people under the sound of my voice. I thank you that you've rescued us to rescue somebody else. You've saved us to serve somebody else. You've moved in our life that we might be a movement into somebody else's life. Now I bless these people. I pray you would anoint them, help them, lead them, guide them. Let them find a need and fill it. Place them in the church. Let them serve somewhere so they can be fulfilled and somebody else can be reached. I speak and I say that we have the strongest group of Christian volunteers, people impacting others, servers and workers in this church, that we're the most work-brittle church in America. I declare it over you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You have been rescued to rescue. Now, I want you to say this out loud. Say this. Say, Father, I thank you that I've been rescued to rescue. I've been saved to serve. And whatever my Savior needs, I'll do it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen.